Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello. Welcome, audience. Yeah. Welcome, members. W welcome, welcome to uh, October. Oh, my gosh. It is the best month. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's it's fall. It's mm -hmm. birthday month. And oh, nice. it's Halloween month. Um, and, uh, my, my wife has decided since like Halloween's like a really awesome holiday for us. We really love dressing up. And since we can't actually like do Halloweeny things because of the virus and stuff, um, we're just going to dress up like every day. So I think we have a total of like 25 costumes so far. Um, and, uh, yesterday was a pineapple baby and pineapple dad, uh, which nice. was really cute. So giant giant pineapple and it is kids on bikes month yes uh because mm. i'm gonna run my kids on bikes game which so we'll like talk these about pictures going up somewhere uh they're they're on costumes? they're on like our private social media oh, okay. but i guess this i should probably put them on twitter <laughs> and i I'll, I'll think about it i'll probably i, I could do some stuff oh. so at <laughs> least me wondering. in a pineapple costume but yeah yes. <laughs> but yeah cool. um we have like oodles to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I feel like we shouldn't have had this much to talk about, but they're like a lot of stuff happened um, in the worlds of D and D, uh, including like a sage device, um, some errata that came up. Uh, we, Oh, I should announce this. So we unlocked memberships mm -hmm. on the YouTube channel and uh, with memberships, you can subscribe to the channel with money. And I think it's like $2 and you get like a little badge next to your name. Uh, the longer you follow, that badge like levels up. Uh, do not feel like you need to. Uh, but I, I know that some people were like, oh, I want to like support the show and I want to do this. Uh, Patreon is probably still the best way to do that. But if you like having a little thing next to your uh, name and eventually custom emojis when I get around to making them, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, and it just helps us keep streaming. But the show will always be free and it'll always be available. And you can, yeah. yeah but and I wouldn't say we leveled up. I'd say you guys leveled up and yes. you guys did it. So <laughs> good job. We just kind of sat back and did the easy part. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the easy part. <laughs> um, so that's cool. And that's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, Mr. Lucian? Well, like we were talking just before show, there were a couple of videos that come out. We had times in our busy lives to watch one of those, but we didn't get to watch all of them. But if you go over to uh, the Dungeons and Dragons channel, their YouTube channel, they always put up some content throughout the week. A lot of times it might be showing campaigns that are running or games if you're into some of those shows and those characters. But we always kind of keep an eye out for things like uh, Dragon Talk or Sage Advice with Jeremy. There is one out there on Frostbaden and Tasha's, which is all the big rage because that's the next book. Almost in some ways, I think overshadowing Frostmaiden a little bit is that everybody's really ready for this Tasha's Cauldron yeah. book. And um, so there's a Dragon Talk talking on that. I have not dived into it myself yet. Probably something I'll do a little bit later this afternoon. But I did drop into the group patrons one, which I really like because they kind of stole it from one of their other books and they're going to put it in and they're going to put some more into Tasha's Cauldron. They expanded it in a way. And some of the ideas that came out of it between, you know, just him and talking to Greg Tito were really fun and cool for a dungeon master to think how you might fit that into your campaign or mm -hmm. how you might work it, how it can be a partial of a part of your campaign, how it could start your whole campaign, how it could come in and out of the campaign at different times. So there was a lot of cool stuff going on. What did you kind of kind of take from it as far as what you were watching? Yeah. Um, so they, they took this from uh, Eberron, but I feel mm -hmm. like they also kind of defined it in the acquisitions incorporated book because that's yeah. really the same thing like like yeah. your ack ink is your the franchise patron. yeah and that franchise and you level up with that franchise and you get to do stuff with it and they're kind of doing the same thing so uh it really keeps a group as a whole and i like that because you're not individually leveling up with your individual things you guys are a team and yeah, you might have your backstory where you're like I'm trying to find the person that murdered my father and da 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 but at the same time, all of you together are like, we need to help this kingdom. And when we do, we'll get this tower and we want this tower because, you know, and everything kind of you, you level up with that patron. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I took away from it is they were saying or one of the things is they were saying that uh, if you don't do what your patron does, then that can quickly change into a rival. 
Yeah. Um, or an antagonist or a villain. And so I like the idea of like, okay, we're going to start working for this guy. And then maybe by level 10, they're like, oh, this guy's a lich. He's actually been manipulating us to do all this other stuff. And then the rest of the adventure is like, now we set up all of these things for him. We have to turn around and combat those to try yeah. and like, yeah. And, or, or maybe their reputation is sullied because it is like, you've been working for this mm -hmm. guy. Like, oh, we don't want you here. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then going back to Xanathar's stuff. So they, they introduced like, you know, you can have story rivals and stuff in Xanathar's and, and things like that. And this is nothing new. Um, it's, it's kind of <laughs> interesting that they're showcasing it because uh, like, I mean, Acquisitions Incorporated did it, but like everybody's been doing that. It's, it's the yeah. kingdom who is like, I hire you to go do this because I need adventurers and, or, or I'm the dwarf miner that has to get the, uh, Snurfeblin out of my mines so that I can keep mining. Mm -hmm. I need your help to do this, but expanding it in a kind of leveling system capacity is kind of cool, which will go yeah, into yeah. my Adding uh, mechanics to it. Really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which will go into my, um, Bardic inspiration later. Um, it's all going nice. to, all going to come full circle here. Yeah. Uh, and as you're talking yeah. about it, it even reminded me that's how Colville's campaign was going where they were a mercenary company and they were looking for a patron in a new city that they had escaped to because they left this war that was going on across another continent. They just mm -hmm. need a new place to go. So they're a mercenary company and they have to find a patron because they're mercenaries. Who's, you know, who are they going to work for? And it kind of feeds into that, um, that storyline and makes it a little more cohesive. I think gives you more reason why weird people are together when you might not think that they're like, if you all grew up on the same block of a city, it makes sense that you all of a sudden go out and adventure together or something. But this weird thing about you've got one dwarf from the, Hammerfall Mountains, you've got an elf from the deep wood and you've got a, a drow from underground who's recently come up and then you've got um, an Aarakocra from Cholt. How does that really all come together sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes we gloss over those things so much that it's just like, we just want to get into playing. We, we kind of, we'll just get past that. We'll just say it happened. We're not going to worry about it. We're just going to keep going. But this allows you not to just make, bypass that part of the story. It can really become a cool, fun part of the story is that you have a patron that's brought you together. It's somebody who's seeked out different people with different skills, or you're a group of people that have a specific skill set and you get hired by people. And part of the story is about who's hiring you and why they're hiring you and how that's going on. And for a DM, you can still have your regular kind of campaign ideas, but this can be something that comes in and helps you get out of sticky points. Like yeah. start the campaign starts to slow down. Uh, it's taken a, a left turn. You don't know what you're going to do after this you know there's mm -hmm. like you've gotten the stories to a certain part and then you're just like oh, i don't know even know what i'm gonna do I re it reminds me of a part where you were in your home campaign i think it was just after the pyramid they beat it and you were even talking in some of the shows about okay now what i do you know i kind of this is where i had planned up to this is where i thought we were going to get to but I really haven't planned out their whole trip home yet. I, yeah. I know they want to go home, but I don't know their home. You know, so something like that is a good place to maybe could throw in this whole idea and maybe they get hired by a patron to do certain things that starts pushing them home or something, you know, so yeah, it and, starts to bring it up again. And, and not even like hired, like uh, it could be somebody who has like monetary, like I need your skills, but it also could be like, you're the chosen ones. Uh, sure. You know, and I think about Final Fantasy, like you're the warriors of light. Like yeah. this is your destiny. And uh, uh, in the case of that home campaign that I haven't ran for a year because of this virus stuff and the baby, <laughs> but like uh, that home campaign, um, you're absolutely right. Like that, a patron is exactly what they need. And maybe that's a deity. Maybe that's the yeah, Raven Queen that's another good one. who introduces themselves and it's like, oh no, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be like the Raven Queen, but it could be a soothsayer that is mm -hmm. like, I, I was foretold, I saw you coming in a vision and the Raven Queen has plans for you. And then they have to decide, like, do we believe this person? Like, <laughs> is the Raven Queen, you know? And so there's, there's good dynamic there. Um, but I, yeah, they were saying like a, a patron could be like a dragon or um, a company, a king, uh, and there's a, or a, a deity, which is like a, a big one that it could be just like, no, like we're, we're doing this in favor of that, um, which mm -hmm. kind of also ties back to, um, I want them to do the deity specific stuff that they did for um, uh, Theros. Mm-hmm but for the Forgotten Realms. And then as yeah. I'm saying that, I, I'm pretty sure somebody on the DMs Guild has already made this. So it's like, <laughs> you could be a thief that follows the God Mask 
and you don't follow him in name only. You actually, like, if you follow the laws of Mask, you get um, cool bonuses, which is kind of cool. And that could yeah. be fun, too. Like, if that deity is your whatever, then there's epic boons that you can give out to your players and stuff. So Yeah, I think it's a good thing to think about or just to listen into. We'll, we'll see it when it pops out in Cauldron. Just because most groups have drive and most groups have players that are willing to push the narrative a certain way because they have an idea and they want to do stuff. And mm-hmm. and as a DM, you kind of react to those things, but every now and then they stall out and they have no motivation to do anything. They have no, they don't really know where they want to go. And they're kind of looking to you like, I don't know, what are we doing? Where's the, where's the quest that's supposed to pop up and tell yeah. us what to do. And you're like, no guys, this is sandbox. You can do whatever you want. You know, this world's all open for you. And they're like, all right, but where's the quest we're supposed to do? You know, yeah. they're looking around and what do you want us to do, Jordan? Where's this guy? We know you're going to give us a guy that's going to tell us what to do. Yeah. So I think sometimes if they get stuck, it's good to have something like, and I like the dynamics of that idea of these patrons that are maybe working with each other. There's other patrons working against. So there could be some rivals in that way. There could be somebody tries to steal you from one patron telling you, like you just said, Hey, you're working for a lich. You know, you're doing all this stuff. You shouldn't do that. Why don't you come work for me and let's fix all these problems you guys have caused. What about a campaign that's like that? Like half of it, they think they're working for somebody good and they're just wrecking the countryside by doing it. And then somebody tells them what all their actions have really done. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the campaign is going back to fix all of the stuff they've caused, not knowing what they've caused by the things they've done. It's like, go go smash this stone uh, dam. That's all I want you to do. And like, okay, we'll go destroy that. Here's your 500 gold. What does that actually cause? And now yeah. how do you go back out and fix it type thing? So yeah. it could be some fun stuff in there. No, it's it's good. I think uh, uh, it's, it's interesting to talk about this because for some people, they kind of scoff and they're just like, well, that's a no brainer. Like you should just do that. That's the basics of storytelling. But a lot of sure. new DMs are just <laughs> like, well, I, I didn't know that. Or I do find <laughs> yeah. this helpful. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm working on my kids on bikes game that I'm going to run this Friday. And I was very stumped. And yesterday I'm just like, oh my gosh, I got to write this. I've got a week. Like, I need, what are they even doing? I don't even know. And my friend messaged me and he's like, really excited to play with you on Friday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. Um, sure. And I picked up, uh, I picked up um, this book called Strange Adventures Volume 2. This is a printout, mm-hmm. but I bought the PDF. And um, this was in the deluxe version of Kids on Bikes. But all it is is a bunch of like, here's a town and here's a bunch of weird stuff happening in the town. Like, here's hooks for you. Yeah, just And then one. you take that. And so I was reading through this last night. And uh, within, I don't know, 30 minutes, I had my whole story. I'm like, yeah. I just have to, like, plot out where I want them to go and help mm-hmm. kind of define the world. But, like, I've got NPCs. and I'm, Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So, uh, and it's not in there. Like, I'm not stealing it directly. I was just no. inspired yeah, by it. Yeah, it comes that. from a I'm book. like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I want to do. That sounds great. And so now I'm going to have this cool adventure. Um, <laughs> and group patrons are like that, I guess, is my my point. Coming, yeah. coming back full circle. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel like Bardic Inspiration is like that, too. Because, like, when you look at something creative, because you're looking at creative things, you may not even choose any of those, but you creatively start to work now. Like Mm -hmm. your brain is starting to churn through creative stuff. And not that you chose anything that was already there, but your brain's like, here's an idea for it. And you're like, you latch onto it. And you're like, yeah, Dune, this planet where there's spice and worms. And you're just like, whatever it might be that pops out. So that's what I like about that. Just looking at, you know, creative stuff that then generates more creativity in yourself because you're looking at, other creativity yeah man that dune trailer too dude my wife's all about it boy she can't wait um oh yeah i don't know i still missed the uh yeah this is a movie podcast but i'll talk i love movies (laughs) we'll do Um, another one of those yeah uh baldur's gate 3 is out soon yeah it was supposed to be out the 30th right of last month uh early access early and i just went and checked steam this morning they said october 6th three days people unless they push it yeah they might don't lucian in three days will be playing some baldur's gate three and i'm gonna be excited um and if we are playing it in three days i'll be talking about it next week for sure (laughs) yeah there is a uh ign article that uh, Mm -hmm. i found this morning that says all of the different races you can be um and they'll probably have more after it launches but it looks like you get humans and githyanki which is interesting and i the whole thing's gonna have a githyanki kind of spin on it i think but that is not a fifth edition heavily defined race. 
Um, like we haven't had like a lot of adventures with Githyanki and, you know, and mm -hmm. I, they're cool. Don't get and me Gitzurai. wrong. But, uh, the Githzerai, same thing. Yeah. But like, mm -hmm. we haven't had a astral sea or a limbo, like running around with the gift. So I thought it's interesting yeah. that they're in here, but, um, they're heavily tied to the mind flares. So it might be, you wild. say that and I have a gift in my campaign. Well, <laughs> it's a character. He loves it. But yeah. So like we've been getting lots of gift, <laughs> um, but humans, Githyanki, elves, drow, half elves. And you could be like Ooh. a half drow if you wanted to, uh, dwarves, nice. halflings, and tieflings. And all of those kind of have like, uh, uh, subs, except I guess for the Githyanki and humans, but like elf, you can be a high elf or a wood elf. Um, and then drow, you could be a uh, Seldarin drow or a Lolth drow. Um, so basically, you can be like, I want to be like a Corallon good drow, or I want to be like another evil drow kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, so. Oh, and the tieflings. You can be an Asmodeus tiefling, a Mephistopheles tiefling, or a Zariel tiefling, which is kind of interesting. Nice. Um, and I'm sure that affects your stats and uh, what yeah. other abilities you might have uh, for whatever you're interested in. But. Um, no, the game looks cool. Like I, I'm excited mm -hmm. to to check it out. I don't. I still don't. I don't think I'm gonna buy it like the first day. But yeah, I I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be there. <laughs> My idea too is I want to tackle it in a couple of ways. I want to tackle it as one is a playthrough with a normal playthrough, but then I want to try to make weird characters and weird combinations of stuff to see what the system lets you actually create character wise, like what kind of classes and subclasses are going to be in it and what kinds of, you know, things are we going to have access? Obviously it's not going to be the full gambit of everything we got. They got to have DLC or <laughs> other updates down the road. So they'll leave some stuff to add in later on, but I'm excited because mm -hmm. I did play a little bit of um, divinity original sin two, mm -hmm. which is a pretty popular game, very similar to it, isometric turn-based combat, um, you know, storyline driven game, but has lots of sandbox elements to it so that you can, you know, really create some crazy characters. And a lot of that community gets into those types of games and they create things that are really fun. Like there'll be like, um, you know, speed runs, they'll do challenges where maybe you have to do the whole thing with just one character or they'll do some weird, you know, mm -hmm. only plant based something, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They always come up with something cool and there's lots of ways to challenge yourself through some of those things. So I'm excited to see it. I mean, just the opening movie had me hooked. When we saw the oh, trailer yeah. drop for that, um, I've been hooked since I've seen that. So I'm excited. Yeah. No, story-wise, uh, it's going to be great, um, I think. Well, I, I, I like yeah. the, the Mind Flayers have a very interesting history. So yeah. if, we're, if they're going to be the main antagonist, it's going to be it's gonna be Such fun. a great bad guy, too. Um, yeah. Um, revamped Curse of Strahd comes out this month. Uh, oh. For those of you who are interested, I do not think I will be picking up a copy, but or a copy, but I do want to get those WizKids Strahd miniatures, <laughs> and I think that's something I'm going to try and. Uh, in, now in you've snap. ran Curse of Strahd, right? I have not. Oh, you've only read it. Um, I've read I've read it several times, uh, both mm -hmm. the older version before it became a fifth edition thing, and then I read through Curse Curse of Strahd, and I made a a YouTube video of campaigns explained where I was trying to go through these campaigns and be like, this is why you should run it. Or this is the lore you need to know to run it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's cool. Like uh, I found a website where you can run Strahd as a one shot. Everyone starts at like level seven or eight and you kind of skip the whole getting to know the world of Barovia and jump right into the castle and it's like, your job is to find these artifacts and defeat Strahd. And it can be a lot of fun. Um, and it turns the whole adventure into like a, a four hour, five hour kind of thing. So it's it's a mm -hmm. good Halloween kind of thing to do. Um, yeah. And I feel like uh, with how big that, that area is, this is why Ravenloft became popular. Is because you could rerun it. And it's like, it's so big. And this time the artifact you need is in this area. So there, are, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, like a roguelike game almost where you kind of go mm -hmm. through and you're like see how far you can get and then the dungeon regenerates in a way and then you go through it again and so uh i don't know i i still have wanted to run it um on halloween and it, it has not happened i, yet I know a friend of our show uh indoor adventure i believe has ran it on his channel so i yes. wonder if he'll be one of the guys that'll buy the new one and maybe play through the revamped or I'll have to ask him at some point unless yeah. he's in chat. He might say in chat if he's out there, but yeah, they, their Strahd was a girl, which was kind of fun. That's uh, fun. When they, when they, th they just, where they're like, we're just gonna, we're going to swap her or swap Strahd out. And I was like, that's cool. I could and see it was Strahd fun, so. switching back and forth. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, that type of character could easily be somebody that very fluid. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was I cool. Could see that. Uh, I caught a couple episodes there. They do a good job yeah. over at the yeah. indoor adventures. Um, indoor adventures. Did you hear about this sage advice that came out? They updated the sage advice. 
I heard about it because obviously Twitter blows up every time something like that yeah. happens and they pick out the little pieces that annoy them to no end. And then you see the the Twitter threads start about that. So I did see a few of them. I saw the ones that you marked, which were laugh. We were laughing at a little yeah. bit. While playing um, it was, and, and so Sage Advice, if you guys don't know, is uh, uh, basically official answers from Wizards of the Coast on various rules. Um, yeah. And so people will ask questions like, how does this actually work? And it, cracks me up with how they are how specific they are about certain things where i'm like this must have come up in just like a really random thing you should let the dm just decide how this happens but for some reason it's made its way into sage advice or it's uh, never come up but it's somebody that's just reading the rule oh it could be their, that too their yeah theory crafting, yeah you know? Oh, what um, then? so the ones that i thought was interesting well actually the big one that kind of affects a lot of people is uh a short rest is supposed to be like one to three hours or maybe one, two to three hours. I always thought it was two to three hours. A short oh, rest. I always thought it was an hour. Yeah. But maybe it's an hour. Um, and during a short rest, you have to just be like resting. Uh, but a lot of people do short rests where they're casting ritual spells for light activity. Uh, yeah. Right? Light activity. But a lot of them yeah. would cast ritual spells specifically. I think of identify where it's like, okay, we got a bunch of, we defeated the monster. Here's a bunch of magic items. We yeah. want to take a short rest, but I also want to identify all these magic items. Uh, well, rules as written, you can't take a short rest and do ritual spells. Ritual spells don't count as light activity. Yeah, um, would, so, yeah. um, so if you want a short rest, you have to do that. Or if you want to do that, um, or you take two short rests in a row. Some, you know, some DMs would let you do that. Uh, but I think back to my Hot Springs Island game that every time they took a short rest, they were in danger. And I would roll to see if a random encounter would happen. So mm -hmm. the more you stack that, you're like, oh, do we want to take another short rest or, mm -hmm. you know? So that, that it was kind of interesting that you can't I just, think I'm okay with that know. one because you're, you're trying to get away with not spending a spell slot, but you are doing something that is more than, you know, yeah just watching and maybe sitting but you're you know like you could be sitting and eating you could be cleaning something there's lots of things you could be doing that's still considered light activity because i've seen some other things that talked about light activity but i could yeah. understand why maybe ritual i think I'm, I'm trying to think in our games i think our people always did it f like their identifies and stuff first and then they took their long rest. Yeah, and that's kind of what... Or, or short rest or I, whatever. Yeah, and I've got two wizards in Rod of Seven Parts, and so they're like, yeah. we want to ritual cast this, and I'm like, okay. And it, since it's 10 minutes, I let them do that, mm. and then we have a scene, and then we take a short rest. You know? Yeah. And so it's it's honestly how you want to do it, but like that was a big that was a big takeaway, I Interesting guess. Interesting uh, the, yeah. the other two ones that I thought were funny is uh, a polymorphed or wild-shaped creature with fewer than 100 hit points uh, is if that creature is targeted by powered word kill, you instantly die. You don't revert to your other form. You don't, mm -hmm. it is, it is like, no, it, the way the spell is written, that creature dies. And since you are that creature, like you are, so that's kind of a wombo combo too. Like if you can polymorph yeah. the enemy into a cat, and then power word kill it, and it's just dead. I was like that. That ruling was a little weird because I'm like, okay, well, if that ha that that makes sense for me as a wild shaped druid, I want to be careful of the wizard who has this. But then I keep thinking of yeah. like, if I've got two wizards in my group, which I do, <laughs> they get to a certain point, they could just oh, we're just gonna get rid of the. Boss. you're a yeah. chicken <laughs> exactly yeah i mean there's so many level zero uh, enemies that you could turn it into so yeah um, well and i think why somebody would even ask the question because i used to cast uh polymorph quite a bit with my wizard i love the spell mm -hmm. um i think the spell reads that once the form you've switched into hits zero hit points then you revert back yeah. so they're saying so somebody's gonna say well you just power word killer me so now i'm hit point zero but that's not necessarily the, what yes. Power Word Kill says. Exactly. I don't think. I'd have to go back and read it. I think it just says if you don't have enough hit points, you're just dead. You know, at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I'm really. Not that one's. That was interesting. Uh, yeah. We'll. We'll see where it goes. And then the other funny one, and I'm like, where did this even come up? Like, why is somebody theory crafting this? Is that uh, somebody asked? Like, does a sphere of annihilation can it enter a Liaman's tiny hut? And it was like what and so the official ruling is that if the two interact there they uh they the, the hut explode. is destroyed yeah. um so i was like well that's that's kind of funny 
Um, and then we were talking in my Discord about it because people, or maybe it was a Saturday morning D&D Discord, but people were like, well, and then can't you like cast Dispel Magic on a tiny hut? Because it is a spell. And I was like, oh yeah, you don't need to be a DM running around with a sphere of annihilation to like, <laughs> just be like, oh, you guys, you're resting in there. Like you could just cast Dispel Magic on it. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, if you, if maybe that, it. maybe that came in, uh, Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe someone was trying to use Aliamon's tiny hut to protect themselves from a sphere of annihilation or something, but... Yeah. Um, well, and I always yeah. worried, wondered about those rules where they talked about um, dimensional spaces meeting each other. So what happens when you brought the portable hole into Liamon's tiny hut or you brought the you know, bag of holding, which has its own extra you know, dimensional interdimensional space, yeah. space and Liamon's hut is its own extra dimensional space. Do they destroy each other? What happens? You know, that kind of stuff, but... That's, I think that, that that's, I believe the DM should have fun with and um, scare their players, but not necessarily destroy their players yeah. when they stumble. I think that. it would be because like <laughs> for, to just have the spell disappear, that's not interesting to me, no. but to have it cut <laughs> into it. And yeah. then when you recast it later, it still has that cut. Like, oh, but there you, go. you know, like that would be cool. And it's like, how do, but my, my spell hasn't changed. It's like, yeah, but mm -hmm. like the fabric of that spell has been just, you know, like, I don't know, like yeah. then that's yeah, the a whole space you're tying into yeah. all these times you cast it has yeah. been affected by exactly. what you did. And so <laughs> as you, as you move forward with this game, that's a whole quest to try and repair your tiny yeah, hut. Like fun. I, I love that. That would be really or cool. Or you get to claim a different dimensional space spot. You're like, oh, Something. I screwed this pocket up. Yeah. I need this one over here. Now. And now, and now those, those beings, those beings from the other yeah, plane are upset with you it. because yeah. it's like yeah you you like cut up our house so bardic hungry. inspiration right there for everybody oh that man that's cool <laughs> so yeah it's it's it, it those those three were weird because i always feel like i'm like that's just dm discretion but we do have official rulings on it so yeah. Maybe it was maybe it was also something that came up in uh Adventures League and with Adventures League and group play like that not group play but uh uh standard play anyway like the official play adventure league. yeah adventure league uh <laughs> you want those actual wizards of the coast um rulings because you might have a dm that's just like i'm gonna blow a bunch of uh dragon acid on you and kill you instantly mm -hmm. uh and then uh your poor drow is just gone forever and it's sad yeah welcome to um, the tomb of annihilation there was also some errata <laughs> updates and we knew they were going to do this but they they basically said the monstrous races, which are orcs and kobolds and goblins and things like that, they were going to update or change them. Um, and so Volo's Guide to Races, or Volo's Guide to Monsters, the races in that book, got uh, a errata change. Um, and I was a little sad because I like kobolds a whole bunch, and all they did to kobolds is remove the minus two strength. So you used to get plus two decks, minus two strength, and then uh, sunlight sensitivity and all this other stuff. And this ability called Grovel. Mm -hmm. um, I thought they were going to get rid of Grovel and make them more <laughs> of a, like, I don't know. They have, like, something else grace. going. Yeah. <laughs> like, something that they're not just, like, well, I kind of have to play it this way because I have this ability mm -hmm. that either I use and I, I don't know. But I anyway, so they removed the negative two uh, strength, but they didn't give them anything extra. So they just have plus two decks. Uh, and then orcs, they removed the minus two intelligence and changed their, uh, the ability that used to give them intimidation now gives them, um, you can choose between animal handling, nature. So, uh, it's the Eberron dwarf or Eberron orc and the, um, wild mount orc. Those were different than the, the orc in Volo's Guide to Monsters. Uh, mm -hmm. so, which the Volo's Guide to Monsters orc is really more of like a, Forgotten Realms orc, which they are just evil, dumb creatures. And uh, this one was more like, no, orcs are just more kind of, I don't know, I always think of them like Klingons or something. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're advanced in a different way and they're a warrior race, but they're like, you know, they're just kind of over here. And so they make them more like in tune with nature and that's why they're nomadic and that's why they have these these things so um so that's official as well if you have the original books you can still obviously play those however you want but uh going forward um they've removed some of those so yeah the the negative stats which kind of whatever yeah anything that had the negatives on them yeah yeah um 
That's, yeah. Oh, and everyone, I made some videos about uh, Vecna and Sigil, and everyone was upset that I pronounced Sigil as Sigil instead of Sigil. I understand that the word is pronounced Sigil, but in the world mm -hmm. of D&D, &D, it is pronounced Sigil. And the multitude of comments I've gotten um, <laughs> from a past video where I pronounced it Sigil, and everyone was like, you're pronouncing it incorrectly. So this time I pronounced it correctly. And everyone's like, I, if I hear you say Sigil one more time, and I'm like, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I'm to the point where I'm just about to make a solo video. And I'll I'll just link that video in every comment that people Sigile. are like, we're gonna yeah. We're just going to change it. Sigile. Sigile. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, it, and one guy was like, oh, in Planescape Torment, they say Sigil. And so you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, what? And I looked and I found audio files and I don't, they say Sigil in that video game. And I'm like, <laughs> what is what? So that was uh, that was something that was bothering me. Internet experts. <laughs> uh, but um, the Vecna series that I was working on, I finished and I'm excited for October's uh, overall series. We're gonna do another three or four part mini series on something cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, what else is happening in the world of d, d I just had a couple of quick things that I want to throw out there. Bunkers and Badasses is a role-playing game that you guys can pre-order right now. If you liked um, playing the video game from Gearbox, um, why am I spacing out? Borderlands 1, 2, or 3. I've loved all those games. In the game, in one of the download DLCs, they did Tiny Tina's, uh, she runs a role-playing game inside the game. That's right. But you're playing through it as she's doing a role-playing game. And there's this whole storyline that you're playing, you know, and this is Bunkers and Badasses, Borderlands. Yeah. yeah. So this is, they're, so, they're actually And then so they a, said, you know yeah. what? Let's just make the Bunkers and, and Badasses yeah. game. So it's out there. And they've gotten a funny little video. If you go look for it, it's on pre-order right now. It's not quite out yet, but it will be soon. Who are they um, I thought working if you're a with fan to build it, this? Um, I, it says is it in internal there. gearbox or did they hire a, game? no, they hired a, a game okay. company, but not one I recognize. So okay. you, I'd have to check it out. So, um, and then there was a couple of Kickstarters. I saw some 5e campaigns that have been coming up recently. I just wanted to throw some out. One that's about to start is Erlin's stolen notes to Vila. And I thought that was cool. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right. Um, that one feels like one of the books that you might get like a Volo's guide or, a, or this. So I thought that was a cool way for them to use that kind of naming convention. And it kind of seems like a nice horror, you know, campaign for you to, you know, kind of get yourself dug into um, the artwork looked pretty good to it and they're about to start. They haven't quite started yet, but it's coming. And then Hecna was a carnival horror setting, which made me think of the Matt Mercer early is it second season where they they deal a little bit with a carnival or a um i remember that they they in the very beginning when they're introducing their characters they get to somewhere where there's a big tent and they're having to discover something they do a big fight in there and it made me think of ooh carnivals 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 inside mm -hmm. uh, a dungeons and dragons campaign could be quite fun or what if you're trying to chase down a carnival that's wreaking havoc across the countryside. So those kinds of things, I thought that might be fun if you're into that kind of setting. Man, the, and the art last from one, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, this and, then, thing. <laughs> and it's, it's doing really well. It's only got five yeah. days to go. If you guys are interested, not sponsored, obviously, but they yeah. have well met their goal. Uh, they're almost at half a million dollars. So yeah. it's crazy. So they're going to, that one will, the last one I was going to say, I don't know if this one's going to actually get enough, but I loved the original picture that they show at the top of the screen for the churn and the churn is a uh, post-apocalyptic world for fifth edition but fantasy and magic also coexist and they have this beautiful picture of a fedex plane that's crashed in a jungle somewhere and mm -hmm. it just is a very evocative picture when i looked at it i'm like okay i'm gonna back this it may not make it they've, they've been out there for a while they haven't got uh, enough publicity but I love the artwork that they they showed. Yeah, the art in here is really good too. That's wow. awesome. Okay. I like this bard with an electric guitar that's got powered <laughs> yeah. by crystals. That's really cool. Yeah, so yeah. some cool stuff. I'll uh, I'll put the links down below into uh, the thing, but you can Google those. Um, those are fun. A lot, of, a lot of cool fighting stuff coming out. Yeah, any of the good Kickstarters you guys are finding or you're backing, go ahead and send a tweet to me or Jordan so we can keep up on them too because I'd like to see all that. I don't want them to go by and I didn't see a good one that I might want to back. So let me know out on Twitter. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll throw them into our uh, YouTube chat real quick. You can check those yeah. out. Um, what was the first one? Oh, yeah, that one. This one's not uh, – yeah, this one's not available yet. Uh, 
Nope, they're, just, they're gonna be starting notes, soon. So, but yeah, you can get notified. So, um, that's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, speaking of uh, nothing, segues. Uh, we're gonna go to uh, our wonderful part of the show, Bardic Inspiration. Oh, so exciting! So exciting. Um, yes, uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about. Things that have inspired us, which kind of has been a, the majority of the show. We've just talked about all yeah, kinds of. We had three things. of them. Before um, the but uh, yeah, what what has inspired you, uh, Lucian? Oh, you gotta jump on mine. Well, I was thinking about a campaign where either every month or every week you'd have to decide as a dungeon master the world that they are on goes eternal night. And then it stays night for an extended period of time. Oh, like 30 not days? Just, yeah, like, 30 like a, days of night? maybe a 30 days of night. And or there's like a, vampires in the snow? Fortnite, there okay. you go. And yeah. then you have to survive it. Um, uh -huh. And during that time, more stuff comes out that's definitely way more bad and powerful. So maybe definitely higher CR stuff, maybe... Um, lots of things. And I, what I like about Vin it, Diesel and you got Pitch Black, yeah? Yes, okay. perfect. That was the movie I was thinking of. Oh, were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that movie, Pitch Black. It's a good one. Um, but the idea that I liked about it, and, and as you can see, it's a trope. It's not something that's completely revolutionary. But the idea that your campaign can have a portion where they're preparing for what's about to come. And you still can have some storylines and some quests that are going on because they need to get prepared. But they know the big night, you know, the long night is coming and then they have to survive the long night and, and what happens with the long night or how far are they going to get before the long night happens? And sometimes mm. they don't get all the way where they need to and they're stuck. And so there's lots of little cool things out there. The other thing that kind of, you could morph this idea into the Netflix has done some shows where the end of the world has come and it's been about if you make any noise, these creatures come and kill you. So then there's that whole movie about everybody's trying to move through the countryside in silence so that they, nobody can hear them. And, you know, there's ones where um, they can't see. There was another one that um, with uh, Sandra Bullock where yeah. if you viewed them or you looked at them, something happened to you, you went crazy and you ended up killing you and yourself and everybody around you. So they put blindfolds around their heads, you know, and they tried to make their way to safety those kinds of styles of movies were kind of what I was inspired here with this idea of preparing to get somewhere or go somewhere because a really bad span of time is about to happen. So like an eclipse of night, maybe there's a certain, um, it could be an eclipse, could just be how the world rotates around the sun, could be a magical thing. Maybe it's a, a the God of darkness takes over the world for 30 days and 30 nights, or, you know, or maybe it's just a fortnight, maybe it's 10 full days. Maybe it's, you know, the snow, the great snowstorm comes and it comes, you know, once every 20 days or something. And then all of a sudden it's just pitch black. And and then, you know, you could really get into some cool Stephen King Cthulhu, like the powers of evil are stronger and darker and more menacing during that time. And you have to use the time of daylight to prepare for that, to get ready for that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So, so yeah, I was thinking of- uh, Frostmaiden, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden actually has uh, like, Arl, the whole premise is that Arl has gone up. She's the goddess of winter, goes up and she has used her magic to create uh, the Aurora Borealis that keeps uh, Ten Towns and Icewind Dale in like a perpetual dark cold. So they're getting like an hour of daylight a day kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really why you're there. So yeah, it's similar. That's interesting. Very Fun. cool. So I didn't take it from there, but that was no. my idea. And it was really, I was watching uh, Pitch Black not too long ago and I was making uh, it. Yeah, but like to prepare for something like that is is fun. Uh, and to know and, it's coming, to add the yeah. tension. You know it's coming. Yeah, and yeah. I guess that's what I was going to try to say um, is like, hey, it's been 10 years. We're going to have what we call like the dark month and it's going to be awful mm -hmm. and, and we, we can't see. And that's when all the monsters come out because the sun keeps them away or maybe a magical shield goes down. And so mm -hmm. everyone's like, how do we protect our town? How do you know, mm -hmm. should we go underground? What do we do? And so that's, that's the preemptiveness of it is what is interesting and fun. Uh, and then seeing if you're, you know, do, do, do your things hold up. And so, yeah, yeah. your defense is basically. And if you're going to do a long span, you could go Game of Thrones, which is yeah. winter's coming. Yeah. So, which was the whole story was that was yeah. based on everybody was supposed to be preparing for the long, the long dark, and it and nobody was. So, 
that could be another cool thing. But what about Jordan's Bardic Inspiration? What did he have over this past week? Um, yeah, so I, uh, a, a while ago, a long time ago, a friend of mine uh, bought an RPG called Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an RPG and a setting. Um, and I I don't remember. They've, they've since taken Blades in the Dark and made like system neutral versions of it. So you could mm-hmm. use it to to kind of play all these other different things. Uh, but it's a really cool system. We had a lot of fun. And uh, the game kind of like most games, it's just like, oh, we got busy. Uh, and But long story short, uh, it's really, really fun. There is a mechanic in that game called progress clocks. And the reason I was reminded of it is I was rereading um, Teens in Space, which is a kids on bike spinoff. And they specifically were like, we loved this mechanic from Blades in the Dark, so we're going to put it in our game in Teens in Space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking about that, and that correlates back to uh, patrons in Dungeons and Dragons, this upcoming thing, and you, how you can use progress clocks for it. So mm-hmm. the the mechanic is you draw a circle, and depending on how difficult this is, uh, and and they encourage you in Blades in the Dark, like get a whiteboard and just like I have a whiteboard, I should do it. Mm-hmm. But they're like get a whiteboard and draw a circle. And then uh, depending on how difficult it is, you create pie sections. So it could be four sections of this circle, and that's an easy one. It could be uh, six or eight. Like you just kind of keep drawing lines. And then it's not a physical timer, but it's a narrative timer. And so as people are going through, uh, let's say your objective is to... um, steal back the Maltese Falcon from the rich, wealthy guy. And he's having a party tonight. So Mm -hmm. it's not, you don't draw a clock for sneaking past the guards, but you do draw a clock for getting into, uh, or getting, getting the Maltese Falcon back and every little step of the way you've shaded in. So you, as the, as the game master are just like, okay, uh, you snuck past the guards. Like, that's good. I'm going to shade in this area. And, and so players can physically see this and be like, oh my gosh, like we're almost at the prize or did something really bad happen? Like, oh, the guard saw you. Now you're going to shade in three sections of this clock and you guys have a very small amount of narrative time to finish your mission. Or do you just Mm want to abandon it as a whole? And from a patron perspective, uh, Blades in the Dark is really good at saying like you can use clocks for very simple objectives or for bigger things. And you... I like this idea and I've, I've been toying with having like an actual whiteboard on my wall so that I could draw like, okay, here's your, uh, building a, um, building a bar or something in town. And it's like, your patron's going to give you this tavern. You're going to be able to fix it up, but it's not quite there yet. And for the players to look at the wall and be like, how, f- oh yeah, we're like 75% complete narratively. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. So, uh, I was inspired by this. I actually want to try and use some of it in my uh, Rod of Seven Parts game. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, and since I have a whiteboard now, I might like start drawing on here. Like this is where you guys are at. And then behind me, they can just see narratively they're doing really well or they're crunched for time and they have to make decisions now. Uh, and it's, it's so simple, but it works really well, you know? And so. I think if you're looking for more description on it, I believe it comes from the Apocalypse Engine. Um, which kind of describes it more. So those games that have that are Apocalypse Engine games, many of them will have uh, this clock mechanic in it. Uh, Adam, it Cole might be in there, but it's not an uh, Apocalypse game. No, no, like, no, I'm not. But I'm saying um, a lot of the Apocalypse games have that. They're oh, okay. called fronts. Oh, okay. But it's still drawn as a clock. Oh, and, okay, cool. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a good way to describe cool how, what, what's happening. It's, it's it is cool. Um, and I, I like it and it's cool. And it makes me want to play, uh, more blades in the dark, uh, games. Um, I, I should have Googled this earlier, but yeah, they have, uh, the game systems are called forged in the dark. Um, so that's like their apocalypse system baseline that Mm -hmm. you can then change and add on and stuff. Um, but they have blades in the dark. They have band of blades, scum mm-hmm. and villainy apparently uses the uh, forge in the dark yep. system. And that's a, a sci-fi one. Um, and girl by moonlight is in playtest right now, according to this website. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's yeah, going to be a magical like... girl one. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, um, the guy who wrote blades in the dark is good friends with, um, 
the guy who wrote Apocalypse World, which is what Dungeon World was based off of. And they all talk yeah. a lot with each other and they share, you know, kind of design ideas and mechanical mm-hmm. ideas. And they played games with each other for a long time and they love each other's games. So you, when you kind of get it, that I feel like they're almost like a DCC group uh-huh. in some ways. When you start to get in the Apocalypse and the and the Forge and the Darks and stuff, mm-hmm. they're like their group. You have the DCC group, you have the Dungeons and Dragons group, you have the Pathfinder group. They're very similar to that. And when you get into that community and you watch some of those shows and some of the other games that have been built on that stuff, you get a good sense of the way their rules work. It's very narrative mm-hmm. game style. Um, in some ways, rules light, not as crunchy as some other games, but definitely some fun, cool concepts that I love. Yeah. He, he wrote some really good games. I'm trying to remember yeah. his name. Um, and and it's, uh, it's a lot of narrative stuff, which is different yeah. from, like we did, I think Blades in the Dark, we didn't actually do any combat it was all a sneak around. Um, I, the game revolves around heists. And so it's like, how do we obtain this? How do we get our objective or how do we assassinate this person or how, you know, you're hired to do these interesting things. Um, and what I, another well, now we're just talking about blades in the dark, but one of the cool things about it is you, you go in with what you're prepped with. Um, mm-hmm. And you say, hypothetically, I have five things and when you go and start the actual game, you come to like a locked door and you're like, oh, I have one of my hypothetical items is a pair of lock picks. And so then you have a flashback scene where you guys are prepping and you get to be like, oh yeah, we need to have these lock picks for this. And this guy is an expert lock picker. So then you go forward and you can now roll using your lock picks. And so uh, it's it's kind of cool where you you plot out how you're going to do it while you're doing it through these flashbacks and uh it's yep. a it's a fun it's a fun game so but i i like clocks that. i want to use them later so yeah yeah john harper was the guy who wrote that's the name i was trying to remember okay. and he just he just released a new game called Aegon. so he's done another new system he did blades in the dark about four or five years ago i think yeah. and now this yeah. is his newest one which is oh, supposed cool. to be getting good reviews so look up a-g-o-n Aegon. agon it's got a cool greek helmet on it looks pretty cool awesome and john harper's super smart he he did he would put out i know we're on a huge tangent here but he <laughs> put out um one page rpgs too mm-hmm. and i i did one on my channel that was so fun and it amazed me that you could write a role-playing game based on one page of rules mm-hmm. and just go and have a really fun role-playing game and i just thought man that guy yeah. is super uh hard. lasers and feelings <laughs> is like that where it's just yeah. this one so little so very card cool. and it's a lot of fun it's really cool um speaking of games we play D. uh you're you're are you on level 12 of dungeon of the mad mage yet what's going on yeah yeah <laughs> there is a two in that number for okay, sure okay so you're still on um, two all right <laughs> yeah yeah that's that at the very end of last night uh, the tuesday night session these were my exact words we still haven't found the stairs down yet <laughs> apparently level two is a very large area we have covered great amounts of it but we have no idea how much more we need to cover um but the thing I thought I would bring up, because it seemed like a relevant thing that other Dungeon Masters might run into, I was going to ask Jordan about it, prisoners. Mm. Player parties taking prisoners, player parties, how they treat prisoners. Mm-hmm. Do you take the players as prisoners? Uh, this always seems to be, for me, a sticky point, because I don't ever want my game to devolve into true brutality disgustingness or you know going a little too far overboard um on what people might do to other people to maybe get a piece of information or to make them do something they want them to do when they don't want them to do it Mm -hmm. i kind of want to skirt around getting into the details of stuff like that so when i play my games i kind of let my players know up front that that's not i don't really want to narrate the scene where somebody's tied to a chair and they're trying to extract information or anything i just don't I don't find any reason to do it. We, I want all that kind of stuff. And that's just me. Now, other people are different. Um, and we have, so what happened in Tuesday Night Game is we uh, were able to subdue a bad guy and uh, take him prisoner. And then they're dragging him around now. And uh, uh, they have some interesting ideas on what they're going to do with this prisoner. And so I'm waiting to see what's actually going to happen and what my DM actually allows and, and what my character might do and step in and not do. Um, but what about Jordan? Does this ever happen in your games much? Have your players or campaigns take prisoners, been taken prisoner? How have you handled it as a dungeon master? So you're you're asking, have my my player characters 
taken, taken prisoners other, in the game. Yeah. Well, they have done interrogations and stuff. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, skill challenges. And I'll just say, hey, we're going to turn this into a skill challenge. Oh, How good. do you get the information out? And so some of them will be like, well, I like rough them up a bit. And it takes the... It, it takes the we're describing terrible things and yeah. really it's just I want to use Abstract this it. skill to get this information or something. And so I'll say, you know, this guy's real strong. Like, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I, I want to rough him up. And it's like, OK, roll athletics. You succeed. So, yeah, he's like he's like, oh, you mean business. So what do you want to do? Well, I want to use intimidation. OK, how do you do? Well, you know, and so they're basically like I want to use my skills in a mm -hmm. I just want to roll dice to see how it works. So we've done that for intimidation. Um, as far as like prisoners, usually it's like, can we hand these over to, you know, the people in charge? Uh, you're not in that situation because you're, you know, in the Underdark. Uh, mm -hmm. You're not in the Underdark. You're in the Undermountain. Undermountain. Um, Which I think would be kind so of as It probably is. There's drought. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, so I don't know. Uh, when you were talking about it, I'm like, well, all you need to do is get a portable hole and throw all of your people in there, seal it up open it up every 10 minutes for a new gush of air to come in or something. Cause they need air to breathe. Uh, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. No, we're, uh, we're dragging around a lot with, of... uh, manacles of something, manacles of immobility or something that are kind uh -huh. of like a rod of, Im 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 uh, an immovable rod, an immovable rod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but it has happened in other, uh, parts of my campaign where they take somebody alive and then one person wants to get pretty, pretty brutal and then maybe a couple other people don't and i always think i want this to be game and i want it to be fun i don't want it to get into thinking that hard about how you're going to try to do something like that you know whether yeah. you think it's justified whether you know whatever i just kind of but i like the idea that the skill challenge lets you abstract it a little bit more mm. um and i've also been straightforward with my players because a lot of times you get into that role play scene and they're mm -hmm. just like well i want to do like an insight check and I like, is he telling the truth? And then I'll just say, no, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking around. Like you guys have succeeded in this. He will give you only the truth. And I'll just take, take that urgency away yeah. of like, well, I better like twist his arm a little bit more kind of a thing. And I was like, you don't have to, like, I'm not going to hide anything. He, the information that he knows or she knows, like they'll, they'll hand it over. Yeah. Um, it would also be fun if they turned into a, a player character later on. Like if they started following around and now it's like, well, now I've got a lackey. Like he thinks I'm really cool. And so he's going to be like my squire. <laughs> and then maybe your main character dies and you start playing the the villain guy. Like that would be kind yeah. of fun. So we just got a raid from, I like this name, 20 side to 20 sides to every story. I love oh, that. Cool. There are 20 well, sides to every story. Welcome you're you're welcome at the dungeon. Yeah. Saturday morning <laughs> D and D show where 20 no, is cool. <laughs> they, they need uh they need rating on YouTube. That's yeah. I love that name. That's really cool. Well, welcome to the show. We're talking about games that we played in Dungeons and Dragons. I'm playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and we're talking about prisoners on level two. Um, the, the guy's name is, I don't think this is a spoiler, Rex the Hammer. Oh, okay. There you that's go. The, so that's the prisoner that you guys have taken. <laughs> that's the okay. prisoner that we have. That's For anybody that's name. played through that, you might recognize a part of what that's going on. For those of you about to play it, you won't know until you get to that and you'll be like, oh, Lucian's group took this guy prisoner. Mm -hmm. So, But what about Jordan? Jordan's been playing some games lately, Dungeons and yep. Dragons wise. What, what do you got going for us? Uh, we Well, we didn't play Rod of Seven Parts last week, so I don't have anything new to talk about there. Oh, that's um, right. Those, yeah. yeah, we took the week off because LB was gone and then we were going to do something else. But uh, Brenna was like, let's just have a night off. And then everyone was like, actually, that sounds really good. And it was yeah, good for me because I was able to do a bunch of other stuff. They have six um, parts, though. We're so close. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really I really want them to connect those parts and make like the one awesome <laughs> rod because, man, it's so cool. But they've been very like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I'm like, you guys are so cautious. Just like just do it. This Go is, for it. This is uh it reminds me I was playing a uh um I think it was well actually this this is just Jordan in general but I was playing uh Numenera and they would argue about the right thing to go and da 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 and then finally i would just be like my character steps on the trap or like walks yeah. in or pulls you get pulls two the minutes handle. and like, then i'm pushing the button <laughs> i was like no we got to keep the action going guys and my my D, D game currently we are heavy talkers and really trying to figure out what's going on and there's been a couple times where 
just to break it up, I will be like, yeah, I, I, I like walk through. I like do yeah. this or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I touch the cursed idol. What happens? I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, there you go. That's how my barbarian turned into stone. It was a 20 minute discussion of how to move the idol from the pedestal. Yeah. <laughs> and they still hadn't come up with it. And 20 minutes later, I was just like, all right, my barbarian grabs it. Yeah. Oh, you turned to stone. Yeah. Well, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> See, that's a cool story. Um, but uh, my wild mount game, we, we were in a big Thunderdome and I was talking to my dungeon master and I, he was saying like, he's like, yeah, I just kind of wanted to have like a really cool fight. Um, and the fun mechanic of it is that when we tried to take short rests, our bodies would just like, like twinge like there was an energy field that just didn't allow us to take short rests um oh. and so that was kind of fun because midway through these like consecutive fights we were like mm -hmm. oh like we gotta kind of like we gotta ooh, like we can't mm. and so it was uh it was it was interesting how uh especially a lot of the like the monk gets a lot of his keep or all of his key points back on a short rest and so all yeah. of a sudden it was like oh and we had an epic fight and it was down to the wire and i was like <laughs> so we're in a big battle dome and I think the, the monk, the fighter, like a bunch of people had passed or had died. And when they, when they get to zero hit points, uh, the dome teleports them out. So we can't like revive these people. Um, and we were fighting and I, I looked over at one of the other players and I was just like, so, or I asked my DM, like, can I dimension door out on the other side of the dome? Is anything holding me in? And he's like, no, yeah, you can totally do that. So I was just going to leave and save myself. Mm -hmm. Cause that's a very, uh, Josh, a, the wizard kind of thing to do. It's <laughs> like, well, I, I don't want to die. Like this is, I'm out. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they convinced me to stay in because they're like, we've almost got this. And, uh, we did, we won by the hair of our teeth. And I think I had uh, one nice. spell slot left. Like it was just like, mm -hmm. this is all I've got. Magic missile, just damage. That's all I care. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yep. Really combat-heavy game, which we haven't had in a while, so I'm excited. Uh, we leveled up to 10, um, and now Conjuration Wizards, if I cast a Conjuration spell, I can't lose... That's the good one. I can't yeah. lose concentration on it from taking damage. So right. that's really fun, because now I can kind of have these like semi-permanent pets running around and, and doing yeah. stuff. Now, uh, in yeah. that campaign, are you guys using battle mats and tokens and yeah. miniatures to move around? So that one, you are getting the tactical... Yeah, you're not yeah. doing just the the uh, imagination battles. Or no, whatever. no, yeah. And uh, my my DM actually has a bunch of uh, terrain pieces and stuff that he has either built or accumulated. So we have like 3D battle spaces. It's really been fun. So yeah, I agree. Level 10 is the turning point. Or <laughs> <This is laughs> Dave says for sure. Um, what's interesting too to me is like I didn't under I. I'm playing a fighter in this latest campaign for the mm -hmm. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So I'm getting all my stuff back on short rest, which has been super good because all campaigns before this, I've been playing everything that gets stuff back on long rests. And it's amazing when you get stuff back on short rest, how fun yeah. that is all of a sudden. But it's funny to me too, how many players still will blow all of their spell slots in one battle and we've only been up for an hour yeah. since the last long rest we've had. And they're already like, oh, guys, I think I need a long rest. And we're looking at them like, dude, you've been awake for an hour. We yeah. can't, there's no long rest. We're Stop blowing all your spells. Figure something else yeah, out. Yeah. They're using some cantrips here or there or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Uh, and now it's so like that, you're that the wizard that just really has the dagger and you're like, well, yeah. I guess I do this. I now, wonder if so. they'll keep that for sixth edition or when they do eventually update stuff, if they will continue that long rest short rest dynamic between some classes have short rest and some classes have long rest i always wondered I, there's always a lot of talk about it i wonder if uh and and obviously i think this will be an optional rule but i wonder if it's like you have to have two short rests before you're allowed a long rest oh, you know okay. like yeah, i always yeah. thought that would be an interesting mechanic and that doesn't necessarily make sense but um when again i going back to hot springs island it was like the perfect game mm -hmm. uh we would i had these um poker chips and they were uh blue yellow red red blue or something i don't know they they stood for you had two blue chips for night and they were four hour chips and then you mm -hmm. had a morning chip and an afternoon and an afternoon and an evening chip and if they wanted to take a uh, long rest they could but i had to roll for random encounters every chip 
So they all of a sudden they learned really quickly. And they quickly. have to hand you the chips, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're like, we're long rest. So here's our two blue yeah, chips. Yeah. So here's two. Here's well, now I got to roll twice to oh, see I if like we're it. doing this. Yeah, um, and so it really encouraged them to be like, well, it's still early. Like, look at the chips. Like, it's still early. Yeah. I guess we'll explore. And and but some of them would be like, I don't have any spell slots. And it's like, yeah, but it's still really early. Like, we could either explore or we could sit here and he just throws monsters at us, maybe. Uh, and that that was a fun that was a fun mechanic. So uh, and that yeah. was not unique, as in, <clears throat> sorry, not unique as in they came up with it for that game, but it was part of the campaign setting. Was please use these poker chips, and I thought that was really cool, and we had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, very cool. I like yeah. that mechanic. How yeah, have I never heard you one. say that one? That's been forever. I thought since. I have. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe I missed it. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay like attention that. to my games. It's always I Lucian, should. Lucian, Lucian, oh, and dig big dig. So. Well, it's always, you know, the pH is silent. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, I've been working on my kids on bikes game as of yesterday, mm-hmm. really. Um, tomorrow, I may is or may not stream. about witches? I think it's going to be about witches, yeah. Okay. So, so the, what I was reading is one of the, one of the, uh, sorry, and we'll go back. I want it to be about witches because I want to utilize some of the kids on brooms magic spell ideas. Mm-hmm. So the thing I was reading is that, uh, all of the students in the school, they remember other kids um, like, hey, Billy was here yesterday. Where is he today? But when they ask the teachers, when they ask their parents, they can't. Th- nobody knows who Billy is. So Billy's just mm-hmm. like disappeared and the kids remember, but the adults don't. Like and then it. when they flip through the uh, yearbook, Billy's like the slot for Billy's face is there but Billy's face is gone and it's just black. And they're like, what? And so these kids are getting erased. And I was like, that's a fun hook. I think I'm going to have it be that every, you know, 10 or 15 years, these witches come out and they, they start taking kids and they're using them for something. But the nobody in the community remembers because, you know, they're adults or there's a spell on them or something. And so mm-hmm. then I think when they go through Billy's locker or, or, or his house or something, they're going to find this magic wand that was left by a witch ah. and then they're going to have to go on the thing. So I think that's going to be the adventure. I just have to plot out a little bit of a, Clues. because it is a one yeah, shot, yeah. I have to be like, okay, how, how do I get you from here to here to here so that yeah. the game takes three hours as opposed to taking uh three Oh, you're going to do three? You're going to do yeah. four? Um, yeah, just because we're playing in the evening. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Is this right on Halloween night you're doing it again this year? No, or? I'm doing it this Friday. It's going to be on the ninth. Oh, this But Friday. I'm going to try to release it like a week before Halloween or something. So Cool. Podcast oh, yeah. form again, podcast like last, and, last and I'll year. put it on. Uh, I'll put it on the YouTube's. So yeah, I like that idea. I like the idea that the adults don't remember, but the kids do, which give them the hook that. Yeah, and so the kids are they're they're important. Like, why are you here? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like hocus pocus, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, I just like the idea of disappearing children. And that everyone has to be like, what? And so when they actually catch up to the witches, it's like, oh. And then if they if they win and reverse all of this, then it's like, oh, well, by the way. Uh, and then we can have like a big s- spell fight at the end with whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of a powered character that everybody controls, I like the idea of like whoever has the magic wand gets to do something cool, but they could throw it to somebody else and then they get to use their stats to do something good with the wand. Because how magic works is different types of spells utilize a different stat. So in D&D terms, um, I could use my wand to cast like a strength-based spell and I use my strength stat, but like the person over here, they're really good at wisdom. And so when they get it, they can only do like wisdom i don't know like charmy kind of effects whereas like the strength based spell would be like i'm gonna shoot open the door with a beam of light um and i and i thought that was kind of fun so everybody gets magic that's kind of personal to their characters of what they're good at and i and i thought that would be kind of fun so we'll see it's a very creative game we'll see where the creativity comes in and just the idea of that last combat is the kids I use my turn to do my thing, but then I throw my wand to my buddy yeah. and they're going to do their thing. But how do they come up with that organically without you? Yeah, that's the problem. I have to figure yeah. this how out. Does the, how does that yeah. organically happen? So they know to do that at the last battle, yeah. that that'll work. Oh, yeah. So, fun. so tomorrow, uh, during my game prep in the morning, uh, I might not, uh, prep rod of seven parts or I'll just very briefly be like, blah, 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 blah. let's focus on kids on bikes guys. We've got a very <laughs> important game coming up. 
so yeah, we'll see about that. But that's tomorrow on twitch.tv slash Jordan with a silent PH in the middle. You can follow me there and we'll hang out uh, the same time as this show, um, 9 a.m. Pacific. So Very cool. Uh, and that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, wrap uh, us else? up, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, that's our Uh-oh. show. Thank you again. There it is. For, oh, we got the siren. Show's <laughs> the over. siren. <laughs> show is over. I'll mute it for a sec. Go ahead. Uh, really excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out. We will see you. Uh, we've gone a little longer. Yeah. So we'll see you next week with uh, another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, where we talk about all the fun Halloween stuff Jordan's going to do on Friday. Uh, Take care, everybody. Thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.